Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Cynthia Carmona, who is the Senior Director for Safety Net Initiatives at LA Care. Now, LA Care serves 2.5 million Angelinos here in the Los Angeles area and is one of the largest health plans in California and also in the nation. In today's episode, we learn how LA Care is adapting new CalAIM initiatives as well as a little bit of history on LA Care, which launched in 1997. Today's episode is part of our CalAIM series where you can find other episodes from other health plans and we'll continue this series through the spring. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, visiting us on YouTube or wherever you listen or watch your podcasts. Thanks everyone, enjoy the show. Good morning, Cynthia, thanks for joining the show today. Good morning. All right. So Cynthia and I actually are, are physically not too far, just a few miles from each other as well in the North LA, Pasadena, Altadena area today. Uh, Cynthia, as you probably know, we like to get to know you first before we jump into the, the main content of today's show. So can you tell us something uh, maybe outside of the workplace about yourself, a fun fact, hobby, something like that? Sure. Well, you know, when the pandemic set in, I really decided to kind of lean into my my love of reading. And so I actually do quite a bit of um, sci-fi fantasy reading Okay, and um, had a big goal last year to do 75. I did 75. And so that's something that I do a lot. I did a lot, especially during pandemic when we were stuck at home for a lot of the time. It seemed like one of those hobbies I could take up that wouldn't be too tough to to do during the lockdowns. <laughs> nice. When you say 75, you've read 75 sci-fi uh, books. So I just had a goal, a reading goal of 75 books in 2021. Wow. And you reached it. I did, which is, you know, it's a tough thing to do with a full-time job. So no doubt. That's a, what, a book and a half a week, basically. Basically. Yeah. It was, you know, it got tough there towards the end. I had to, I had to really buckle down in December, but got it done. <laughs> nice. Now, are you reading handheld books or using an electronic device to read? Um, I do kind of both. Usually on the e-readers, that's where I read a lot of novellas or shorter books. Okay. Because um, I don't love the longer books on the electronic media, but um, but yeah, it's real, really a mix of those. Plus, I do I do do some audio books. Okay, nice. And are these books all in English or Spanish or? Yes, <laughs> I am not bilingual um, by any stretch. So all okay. English. God, I heard you say novella and I speak a little bit of Spanish. So I was like, oh, maybe she's reading Spanish. Uh, okay, cool. So um, as I mentioned to the audience, uh, you know, we're actually physically pretty close today in the Pasadena Altadena area. Um, did you grow up in this area or where's home for you? I did not. I grew up in the Bay Area in Northern California. So I grew up in Concord, California, which is in the East Bay Area, just at the foot of Mount Diablo there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all through my childhood up until I went to college, um, had a really great um, upbringing there. So. Okay. So let me ask you this. Since you work for an LA uh, company, where do your sports uh, allegiances lie? I, I dare ask. Yeah. So this, you know, this always comes up and I have to say, you know, 
my brother lives in San Francisco and, you know, we obviously grew up together and it's definitely, there's a, a Dodger Giants rivalry, but I was never a big baseball person. We were more of a football family growing up. So okay. I definitely am still, um, you know, tried and true 49er fan. Um, and I feel like I always will be, um, so that's always fun um, down here. And it's really kind of good natured, just um, rivalry, but it's definitely there. It's definitely there. Yeah. So, so, the, so we're recording this uh, in March of 2022 and it'll be released shortly. Um, re- not too long ago, the 49ers were playing the Rams in a couple of very meaningful games. Did you catch those? I did catch those. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny because my husband grew up in in the Los Angeles area and he was a really big Rams fan before they left um, to go to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but since they've come back, he, I feel like he's still a little on the fence with the Rams. He's not quite as diehard maybe as he used to be. But um, but yeah, it's been fun kind of watching that um, together now that the Rams are back in L.A. Nice. Well, I can respect him. It sounds like, uh, you know, many of us, it could be easy to jump the bandwagon with the recent Super Bowl win. The fact that he's, you know, kind of slowly analyzing, I, I respect that. So <laughs> you mentioned that, uh, you know, you grew up in Concord, California, which for those of you, uh, that's the East, that may not be familiar, East Bay, right? Uh, not too far from Oakland. Um, you then went to school at UC Davis. Uh, is that accurate for your undergrad? That's right. That's right. Okay. And then what made you, you know, head south, ultimately? Um, well, to be perfectly honest, my husband. So um, we we met in college. And then, um, you know, we both ended up working in Sacramento for a short period after graduation. Um, I was working in, you know, health policy. My husband works in local government. Um, but we, you know, I know that, you know, he was really um, interested in coming back down and being back with family. And so we, after, shortly after we got married, we decided, you know, let's do the move. So we did the move. Um, it was also at a time when um, the housing market had just kind of crashed and housing prices were super low. And so we said, look, we better move now before we get tempted to buy something here um, that's really, really cheap. So we moved down to L.A. and we've been here since about 2008. Okay, awesome. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, you've been involved in in policy. What was the inspiration for you to get involved in policy uh, as a young lady? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting um, story a little bit. So I decided to go to UC Davis because I was really interested at that time in international relations. And they had, a, you know, good program for that. Um, I started in kind of Eastern European um, peace and security studies. Um, But then after I got there, I really kind of just fell into quite by chance um, an internship with the speaker's office and the assembly. And it was kind of just like a random thing that happened. But I landed in the speaker's policy rotunda, which is like this kind of bullpen of policy experts that the speaker has in all different kinds of areas. And they review every piece of legislation that's going through the legislature at that time. And so it was it was a really formative period for me because I really started, that's where I started to find my love of public policy. Yeah. And I really got to dip my foot into or dip my toe into lots of different kinds of areas and then discovered over time that... Um, I was really, really interested in health policy specifically. And so um, I just, I went from there. I ended up doing a few stints in a few different state agencies with a focus on legislative analysis in the health area. 
Um, and that's how I ended up in the health policy world. Um, okay, awesome. And what was kind of that uh, move? What was the trigger, I guess, for the move to LA Care? So when we first moved to Los Angeles, I ended up working with the Community Clinic Association of LA County, um, which represents all the community clinics and FQHCs in Los Angeles. Um, and I was there for just shy of about 10 years, and I loved my time there. Um, it was kind of the perfect place for me um, in terms of, you know, what I wanted for my career. Um, but, you know, after about 10 years, you start to feel like, um, you know, you want to grow a little bit more. and um, the position at LA Care, Senior Director of Safety Net Initiatives, became available, and it was really kind of that niche role that I was um, interested in continuing to pursue. And so um, I moved over here in, uh, I think it was 2017, that I, I came over to LA Care. Okay, awesome. Now, you mentioned Senior Director of Safety Net Initiatives. Um, while our audience is generally a healthcare professional audience, uh, many of them may not be familiar or or ultra familiar with the term safety net. Can you kind of guide us through what that means? Sure. So safety net um, is a little bit of a broad term, but really speaks to those um, providers or that kind of provider network that seeks to serve kind of the most vulnerable um, individuals um, in our healthcare system. And so when we talk about the safety net, we're often talking about um, community clinics and health centers, but also kind of county providers. Um, but I think anytime you're talking about um, the Medi-Cal population, you know, if you're asking our CEO, he would say our entire network is the safety net. Um, and so um, that's kind of really what the focus is. Um, but um, our department, so our department had a real big focus or has had a really big focus on those, those kind of community clinics, county providers, and, and providing assistance to them, um, whatever they need to help serve that population. Okay, awesome. So Cynthia, tell us a little bit about LA Care. Sure. So um, LA Care is what's known as our local initiative health plan here in Los Angeles. It was established by County Charter um, in 1997, and we provide care to over 2.5 million members, um, not just through our own direct uh, membership, but we also do that um, with our what's known as plan partners. So we have a few subcontracted health plans that also help us to serve them. So do you mind uh, me asking who those three are? Sure, it's Anthem, um, Blue Shield Promise, and Kaiser Permanente are our three, um, what we call plan partners. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned a local plan initiative. You're serving 2.5 million members. I mean, uh, from my understanding, you guys are the largest health plan uh, here in California for managed Medi-Cal. Do I have that right? That's right, that's correct. Yeah. Awesome. So we have this thing called CalAIM. So some of our audience um, are aware that we're doing a series right now on CalAIM. So we've learned a little bit about it, but for those uh, of our audience that may have missed the other episodes, could you give like a 30,000 foot overview um, about what CalAIM is? Sure. So CalAIM is a new initiative launched by the state of California. It is an acronym. It stands for California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal. Um, and the way that it kind of gets going is through a process with the federal government called a waiver. And what that means is that, um, you know, states can apply to the federal government to engage in kind of waiver programs that show, um, give states an opportunity to do innovative things with Medi-Cal as long as they don't kind of exceed the overall costs of Medi-Cal for that state. And so every five years or so, the state of California enters into a new kind of negotiation with the feds 
um, with new ideas that they have um, to improve care and outcomes for Medi-Cal um, beneficiaries in the state. And so our newest one is CalAIM. There are a number of initiatives that fall underneath that umbrella, but the most recently launched, um, and I think the first launched initiatives under CalAIM include our Enhanced Care Management Program, as well as what's known as community supports, which are um, enhanced care management is, is, a, is a benefit that uh, Medi-Cal beneficiaries in California are entitled to. Um, community supports is more of kind of this optional service menu that plans can opt into um, at their discretion to provide additional kind of wraparound services to their members. Awesome. Thank you, Cynthia, for that great uh, brief explanation. So I want to talk more about community supports in this episode. But before we do that, you mentioned enhanced care management. And there were some previous pilots done for uh, folks who needed a little extra support that are now rolling into enhanced care management. Can you give a, a brief history of those previous pilots that are now falling into enhanced care management? Sure. So when we think of those, we're really thinking of two programs, um, one known as the Health Homes Program, which was run through managed care plans for a couple of years. Um, but then there was also the whole person care, whole person care pilots, which were run through counties in California. And they both um, kind of were seeking to provide similar type services, um, just really that enhanced, intensive um, care management for, again, the most vulnerable um, individuals. I will say that LA County's whole person care program was the most expansive whole person care program in the state with a number of services that they opted to provide through that program. They served tens of thousands of individuals in that program. Um, in health homes, I know more specifically, um, we ran that at our plan and that served um, you know, about 60,000 people total um, just in the, in the few years that health homes was live. And so when enhanced care management went live this year in January, it was really kind of a merging of those two programs into this new enhanced care management program. Awesome. Very helpful and good explanation. So let's let's shift over to community supports. And I like how you mentioned um, that it's um, you know, you don't use these words, but like a pick list or choices. It's not a requirement for plans to use. And there's 14 community supports. Um, at a conference where I actually met you recently, um, one of those community supports is uh, some housing initiatives uh, for the homeless. And you have a partner uh, that you work with as well called Brilliant Corners. Can we start there? And can you give uh, an example or maybe an overview of what that is? Sure. So, um we don't currently work with Brilliant Corners in our community supports program, but we have historically worked with them in the other kind of housing type initiatives that we engaged in prior to CalAIM. So, um, you know, several years ago, we did a, a $20 million grant um, to Brilliant Corners who worked really closely with LA County. Um, and that $20 million was really used to help house um, around 325 Angelinos. So that money uh, really went to help pay for um, room and board for those individuals. And then the county kind of came in with the wraparound intensive services that went along with that. Um, and so that program is kind of winding down, but we also partnered with the county on a Housing for Healthy California grant, um, which uh, was approved um, just in the last year or so. And that'll kind of do a similar um, serve a similar number of people, but it's kind of switched. So we are providing the wraparound funding for the intensive um, services, and then the county is going to go ahead 
um, on their side and fund their room and board. And so it's just um, a couple of pilots that we engaged in um, and Brilliant Corners has been a great partner to work with. Um, but, you know, as we get into it, uh, we might talk a little bit about how community supports is a little bit different um, and why we haven't quite gone full bore with Brilliant Corners yet, but certainly um, interested and, and excited to talk more with them ongoing. Okay, awesome. So we know there's some housing supports under community supports. What are some of the other uh, community supports options that you guys have tapped into and how's it going so far? That's a great question. So you mentioned the housing. We, we are live with housing navigation and tenancy supports. We are also live currently with recuperative care services. We did a small pilot again before the launch of CalAIM to provide more recuperative care. And so we're, we're officially launching into the CS space with that. Um, and then finally, we are also launching our medically tailored meals program. We also did a pilot around that um, with some partners, um, specifically Project Angel Food, um, where we really looked at some very specific um, chronic conditions and um, provided, you know, daily meals to those individuals based on their medical needs to see um, how that might impact um, health outcomes and um, avoid things like ER visits and, and things like that. So those are the, they're technically four that we are live with now. Yeah. Um, and we are looking to launch four additional community support services just in a few months in July. And um, we'll be adding to the housing suite and we'll be taking on a few um, additional services as well. Okay, awesome. So uh, folks of you that are out there who are interested in, in potentially being a provider for LA Care or other Calium Health plans, and one thing Cynthia mentioned is she's uh, bringing on four additional services in July. So DHCS, Department of Healthcare Services, um, they often are putting out additional information on all the plans. So feel free to check out uh, Department of Healthcare Services here in California to learn about what community supports need help. Um, Cynthia, are there any, um, you mentioned housing. Um, is, is that an area of need for you guys or do you already have providers in place where you're, you're okay and you don't necessarily need additional support? Well, housing and homelessness services are a huge need in Los Angeles County. So um, in the most recent point in time counts, we found there are almost 70,000 individuals in LA County that need some kind of housing or homelessness support services. Um, and so while we went live in January and we do have a good network um, to start with our housing navigation and tenancy supports, we will absolutely um, be looking to kind of grow that network and make sure that we're able to serve as many individuals as possible. So um, I mentioned, you know, we went live with housing navigation, tenancy supports, which is a service that um, we provide for folks who do find that place that they're able to finally move into. Um, but we will also be launching housing deposits in um, July, which provides those kinds of Initial funds that you need when, you know, when you get a new apartment and things like that, you know, you need first and last month's rent, you know, do you no. need an air conditioner? Do you need a refrigerator? Um, those kinds of startup costs. Yep. Um, and then later in January of 2023, we'll be launching short-term post-hospitalization housing, which is meant to assist people who are coming out of the hospital and they really need kind of that temporary six-month stay until they find something more permanent. So, so we're looking at a number of, um, of services to support all of those individuals in LA County, but it will certainly be a team effort, I think, not just between with LA Care and what we're bringing to the table, but the other plans in the county, 
um, other county resources, other partners um, to address what's really um, one of the very significant issues in Los Angeles County right now. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And one thing I think it's important for us to share with the audience, Cynthia, is a lot of these services that LA Care is either providing or going to provide is not necessarily going to be available for everybody right now. There's a phased in approach. Um, and if folks, if you've seen the other episodes, um, we talk a little bit about that. But Cynthia, for those that haven't, can you kind of give, a, again, a brief overview of this phased in approach for CalAIM? Sure. So, I mean, I'm not sure that it's um, a CalAIM directed phasing in as okay. much as it is kind of plan by plan on the community support side. Um, there is a more kind of distinct phasing on the enhanced care management side where they've taken very specific populations and the department has directed, this is the date when this population will get ECM and so on and so forth. On the community support side, we at LA Care are um, very deliberately doing a phased in approach that's really kind of a product of the um, really enormous need that we have especially with um, housing and homelessness services. So um, what will happen is, is the department has put out their, their menu of services. They've also put out um, what they regard as the eligibility criteria for receiving those services. Um, we at LA Care have started off with a little bit narrower criteria to start. Um, as we kind of start the program, it's new for everyone. It's new for the health plan. It's new for the providers that are coming in who maybe have never worked with managed care before. So they're kind of getting their feet wet. We're learning how to work with each other. And so really kind of what we're looking at is, um, you know, starting with a little bit of a narrow criteria as we bring in those new kind of smaller networks. And then over time, kind of moving that criteria, expanding that criteria outward as we're able to grow the network and serve more individuals. So it's a very deliberate kind of process that we're engaging in to make sure that it's not too much at once for everyone, yep. but that eventually over the course of the next couple of years or so, we're really expanded and we've, we've established a really nice, um, nice size program that's serving um, as many people as possible. Okay, great. So there's a lot going on. And one thing I want um, the audience to be aware of LA Care staff is doing a lot of this, but they have so many partners that are doing this as well, right? Cynthia, like for example, the housing deposits or enhanced care management, um, that's not necessarily you, your internal staff doing it all. You guys are contracting out, you're partnering with community-based organizations to support you in all of this work, correct? That's exactly right. And we could absolutely not do this work without all of the different you know, clinics, community-based providers, public agencies that are coming in to provide the direct services on the ground. Um, you know, they're just the heart of the programs. So, um, and that's why I think we, again, take really seriously um, the responsibility to make sure that we're launching this in a way that, again, gives people the space to yeah. kind of learn how to do it get to know each other, um, help each other think through um, any kind of challenges we're all having together um, so that we can make sure that, again, it's it's a successful program and it's providing quality care for the most people. Um, we, we absolutely couldn't do it without them. Um, and I would say, you know, we started off when we were doing health homes, 
it was primarily a clinic-based network um, with some um, you know, other types of providers that came in to kind of fill some gaps. But really, this is the first time on a larger scale that we are engaging those community-based organizations who haven't typically provided primary care and they don't have an NPI number with Medi-Cal and um, they've never filed a claim, you know? And so um, it's it's been a really interesting process. I will say it's been really rewarding being able to deepen our relationships with those kinds of providers and strengthen our relationships on the public agency side. So with We've, we have a long-standing relationship with the LA County Department of Health Services, um, but we are also really reaching in and deepening our relationships with the Department of Mental Health, the Department of Public Health, um, who will become also um, important partners kind of as we move forward with CalAIM. Awesome. Awesome. So as you move forward with CalAIM, you're going to be measuring success. Can you give us some examples besides, you know, member satisfaction, which I know is important? How are you guys going to say, hey, this is working? Yeah, so we're going to measure success in partnership with the Department of Healthcare Services um, at the state level, but really kind of it gets down to that um, avoiding higher Medi-Cal costs, things that, you know, have cost more in the past that have been traditional Medi-Cal benefits, but have been really, really costly and in many cases not the best service fit for a member, right? So, Maybe you're somebody's in a um, in a nursing facility that doesn't really need that high a level, but they, there's no other kind of reimbursement for a lower level of care. Um, you know, other things like providing those meals that can help people control certain chronic conditions that they have that help them avoid the emergency room. So longer term, we're really looking at those outcomes based, right? And health outcomes, I would say, um, that pr- makes the patients or the members healthier, also reducing costs in the system overall. Um, but I would say kind of in the shorter to intermediate term, we're really looking at those process measures, right? So um, how many providers are we able to bring into the network? Um, how many referrals are coming in? Is Are the systems now working smoothly enough that we're getting a good volume and we're able to grow kind of the members that are served? So there, there's kind of a stage process as we look at success measures, right? There, are, there does need to be that kind of shorter term, shorter to intermediate term kind of process approach. Um, and then looking at those outcomes in a, in a little bit of a longer, over a longer time frame. Because I think as all of us know who've worked in healthcare, it takes a little bit of time to really start to see those health outcomes pan out. And so we want to make sure that we are kind of establishing the right expectations Um but again, continuing to make kind of consistent progress moving forward. Great. Okay, cool. So a lot of different ways of measuring success. Um, I mentioned before you answered uh, member satisfaction, which we know is, is important as well. So as things progress and you roll more things in and people want to get involved or stay up to speed of what's going on, what's the best way to see what's what LA Care is up to? Is it the website? Is it LinkedIn? Do you Are you active on social media? I am not as active as I probably should be. So, I, you know, I spend a lot of time neck deep in CalAIM operations and networks and, and funding and things like that right now. I'm, I'm on there sporadically. Yeah. Um, I think um, there's a lot of hiring going on at LA Care right now. So I would just put that plug in if folks are interested. Um, there's a lot out there right now that I think are some really interesting and exciting positions at LA Care. But I know that um, our communications team, we have a very active 
um, you know, social media um, presence online. Um, we, we have a pretty good website that has some good landing pages that explain the various initiatives that we're engaged in. So, you know, I mean, there are definitely places to go to learn more. Um, we also just launched our, um, our recent um, LA Care Cal AIM, or I shouldn't say LA Care, I should say LA County Cal AIM Roundtable, which is a stakeholder engagement process. Um, and we had our first kickoff meeting on Monday and folks can sign up um, to get um, added to that list to get updates around Cal AIM, specifically ECM and community supports. Um, and if folks are interested in that, Gavin, um, I can send you some information about how to get signed up for that. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind doing that, uh, that would be great. We'll see if we can add it in um, into the text on this video for those that uh, that are watching. Um, I actually am on the distribution list. Um, I was off on Monday with doing a family event, but uh, your team has been very great, the, the roundtable team with communication. Um, we, I emailed them some questions and they've been very responsive. They sent me the slides. So um, yeah, it's great that you guys are doing that. Um, well, I really appreciate you, Cynthia, uh, for coming on uh, relatively quickly. Um, and your colleague, uh, Penny Griego, uh, was great in setting this up. And it was great meeting you as well Yeah, at the California Association of Health Plan Conference. And that's another thing I encourage you folks uh, that are listening or watching um, is the California Association of Health Plans, which um, LA Care is involved with and uh, I'm involved with. Um, is a great place to learn about CalAIM as well. Uh, so I encourage you folks to check them out. Uh, again, that's the California Association of Health Plans. And of course, we want you guys to check out LA Care. I believe uh, the website, lacare.org. I don't have it in front of me, but that's, that's correct. lacare.org. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, hey, Cynthia, I really appreciate you uh, being on the show. And um, I'm in Pasadena a lot. So perhaps I'll see you around. Sounds good, Gavin. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.